is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, you want auction talk? We've got it for you on this Friday edition of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And if you don't play in any auction leagues... Uh, get with the times, but no, don't worry. We have plenty of good content for you, including a running back who nobody is talking about that is set for a much bigger role this year. So looking forward to telling you about that. I am Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg. Guys, uh, what round are we drafting RG3 in now? After that amazing performance, I think you've got to look at him in round seven, mm-hmm. six. If you're an uh, NFL executive and you need a quarterback, would you rather have right now, seeing what RG3 just did, or Teddy Bridgewater, who would you rather have? Bridgewater. I w- I'd like to see what Bridgewater looks no, like. No, you can't. Bridgewater. Still? Yeah. 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 I'll from, take a healthy Bridgewater I that from, I haven't seen over RG3. From what I saw from, uh, uh, Twitter, I believe he's actually looked very good. Yeah. I think it was, uh, Manish, you know, uh, yeah. uh, said that on Twitter that he looks great. Well, whether you're drafting Teddy Bridgewater or not, you should start your fantasy football league right by booking your draft party at B-Dubs, Buffalo Wild Wings. You'll get a free draft kit and enjoy a draft feast of boneless wings, three sides, three shareables at a special price only at Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports, at participating locations while supplies last. That'd be a fun place to do an auction. All right, so we will get into that. First, I want to read two quick emails because this is a quasi-email mailbag show, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Um, I know we're going to be tempted to spend a lot of time on these. I'm going to ask uh, you guys to not go too deep. Just make sure we cover everything we need to cover today. First is from Billy. Billy says, hey, Gurley, Stacy, Morris, and Hill, and Richardson, Martin, Slayton, oh boy, don't get me started. Why is everybody so high on all the year two running backs? It was a common knowledge just a few years ago that rookie running backs that did well as a bell cow tend to regress quite a bit the following year, if not be a massive bust. Kamara, Fournette, Hunt, Mixon, McCaffrey, they're coming off rookie bell cow years. I guess we'll probably have to disagree on McCaffrey. Uh, and going very high in drafts. Just a word of caution. Well, can you, can you call Mixon in that, I, I don't yeah. know if I'd put him in that category too, just because he wasn't great. 178 carries for Mixon. Yeah, like. Right, but he like averaged three something per carry. 3.5. It's actually interesting. I, I sent this note to Adam the other day. In the, what was that on the seven games that? Oof. I'm not gonna Jeremy, remember off the top of my head. Okay, so I, I, I think I have it. In the seven games that Jeremy Hill played, Mixon averaged over four yards to carry in two of them. In the seven games without Jeremy Hill, because Mixon missed two games due to injury, he averaged over four yards to carry in five of them. They kind of changed their scheme up late in the year, and then they well, yeah, did it again this offseason. Right. They're they're moving to zone blocking. That's going to be good for so, Mixon. So, you know, without getting too specific on one person, this is pretty interesting. And if you look at, at the notes I sent you, I highlighted every instance over the last five years. Where Wait, I, you sent notes? Yeah. Where <laughs> I thought a, a year two running back took a big step back. Trent Richards in 2013, or I'll just go through all the names. Trent Richardson, Doug Martin, Bernard Pierce. And I went guys who had over 100 carries. Bernard Pierce went from 4.9 yards per carry to 2.9. We forget about him. Andre Ellington had a great rookie year, struggled second year. Monte Ball, Zach Stacy, Bishop Sankey. Uh, he actually was a little bit bad. He was irrelevant in his second year at 47 carries. Andre Williams, Jeremy Hill. That was the one. That one really sticks out to me. I don't know what happened to Jeremy Hill's very promising career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Gurley, obviously, big step back. Amir Abdullah. 
Only played two games his, his second year. Uh, TJ Yeldon took a step back. Jeremy Langford was irrelevant. And then, honestly, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he went from 5.1 yards per carry to 4.1 yards per carry. Wasn't quite as good. Uh, Jordan Howard went from 5.2 to 4.1. Paul Perkins went from promising to irrelevant. It happens time and time again. Opposite examples, Le'Veon Bell, Eddie Lacy, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, outstanding in their second years. Um, Melvin Gordon, only running back in history to go from no touchdowns one year to double-digit touchdowns the next. Yeah, and his yards per carry went up a little bit, but mostly he just yeah had a better year, but... But I don't know. It, it did scare me a little bit thinking about that because those. I think. Those I think when you look at it though, like high picks. The, sorry. The yeah. Two guys that could potentially struggle. Kamara, obviously, because just the metrics are hard to replicate. You know, the hope is that the four-game Ingram-less scenario helps him. But if he doesn't average the the yards per carry or yards per catch, and the touchdowns go away, he's going to be a bust. And I just wonder about Kareem Hunt because while he's obviously talented and in a system that, that has done well for running backs, he did have that stretch where Andy Reid went away from him. And now Andy Reid does have a guy back that he trusts in Spencer Ware to whatever degree. You know, if it's five carries a game, 10 touches a game, whatever it is, you know, if Kareem Hunt plus he has a new quarterback, you know, those two stick out. The Jaguars upgraded their offensive line. I can't see Fournette being in a worse situation. He could clearly struggle, but I can't see. And his rushing average was three point nine. It was under four yards per carry, I believe. Um, Who's that? So that was Leonard Fournette. Fournette, yeah, who had good numbers in thirteen games. And then again, McCaffrey and and Mixon, they just seem to be in better situations than they were as rookies. Mixon for sure. McCaffrey, the coaches are talking like he's in a better situation. Well, he's and I a, just he, don't know if it's going to play out. Though they're, they're talking about twenty-five or thirty touches that, per that's, game. That's you know. Again, like it's I said bonkers. yesterday, we, we, we have a better chance of finding a way to cure baldness. Um, Forhims.com uh, slash FFT. <laughs> uh, okay, so some take the word situation at it for, for McCaffrey. He, he's expected to be better. So the situation's probably He also same. had a terrible rushing average. Sure. Um, his situation's but, worse, though, because his offensive line is worse. And well, they, and and they added weapons in the past. At this point, C.J. Anderson's better than Jonathan Stewart. His situation is – yeah, but his situation – his opportunity is better. I think the situation is is worse because they drafted a wide receiver in round one. Greg Olson's healthy. They lost their best guard. They they temporarily have lost their right tackle, but he should get more touches. But I guess let me ask you this. So fantasy baseball, I host a fantasy baseball podcast too. I look at, at sophomores and I just say in baseball, there's just this weird thing. There's just the sophomore slump. It, it is hard to explain, but a lot of times guys have great rookie seasons and they just – Kind of stink in year two, and they come back and they're great in year three. Should we look at that for running backs? Should we just sort of factor that in, that it might defy all logic and explanation, but maybe they struggle? I, I, I'm, I'm, look, there, there are going to be scenarios where these guys struggle. I mean, look, I, I like that Fournette got a better offensive lineman, you know, one of the best guys that was out there, and he lost weight. So two things that should help him be better, and he's healthy. I can see the flaws in McCaffrey. I can see the flaws in Kamara. I can see the flaws in Hunt. So, sure, there there are there are things that you could see that could happen for those guys, and Fournette included. But I, I think when you start to compare them to the guys that are being drafted around them, it's like how far would you drop them if you're worried about these things? Like, right. you know, if, if if you fear McCaffrey not being involved in the offense, plus the bad offensive line, the additional weapons, and everything else. 
like are you is the third round not good enough for him? Is the fourth round not good enough? You know, like, well, where yeah, are you comfortable taking him? You're that, right. That's the, you're right. Looking at average draft position because it's like all these year two running backs are sort of bunched right together, and then after them is like Devontae Freeman. We're not going to drop him behind Devontae Freeman or Jared but you, McKinnon. But you, but you can because like I think Heath would probably argue, like you know, just knowing how he he thinks. Like, you know what McCoy has given you. You know what Freeman has given you. And their situation, well, not McCoy, but like Freeman's situation is stable. No, but, but it's not because last year he had a much lower workload. He had- Because he missed some right. time. No, because I, I, he had a bunch of games with, with, let, let, with fewer let's, than let's 12 carries. bring up with these second year running. Let, let's go ceiling floor. So you, you know what the floor is for him because you've seen it. For somebody like Freeman. You don't know what the, the floor or ceiling is for some of these second year guys because there's just not enough big enough sample size. But you're not. Do you look at the rookie year as the ceiling? I would say hopefully not. Camara, yes, because Camara you have to. You know, but And Hunt, you could probably make the case it's pretty close to the ceiling. I still I think he could score a little bit more. But I I could see that being close to the ceiling for Hunt too. Here's something I wanted to add. You gave us a name the names of sixteen running backs in the last whatever it is, five years, that declined from rookie year to second year. Ten of them had fewer carries, which means that they either got hurt or they got benched. Yeah. And, yeah, if they get hurt or if they get suspended, like in the case of Ezekiel Elliott, he got suspended, there's no telling what Zeke would have done if he played a full season. He might not have averaged five yards yeah, per he, carry. Yeah, he was just getting going right before the, the suspension kick. But he was great. He was still really good for fantasy. I mean, very no, good. Oh, he was great for fantasy. Had, yeah, yeah, so he would have had another solid year. You can't look at that as a sophomore slump. You can't – when Amir Abdullah or Doug Martin only play a handful of games because of injury. Martin was bad, though. I mean, he, he – They were bad before the injury, games, but they still yeah. got hurt, and you don't give them a chance to get their act together. Right. Mar- Martin feels like Camara, or Camara feels like Martin. All right, let's move on to our next email here. It's from Dave from BK. He says, Dear Morton, George, Lou, and Jan. Hmm. No idea. Are we? Oh, that's not Jan. Jan. That's Jan. Who are they? They're kickers. kickers. Oh, oh yeah. George Blanda. Okay. Lou Groza, Jan Stenerud. Uh, are we underrating? They're Hall of Fame kickers too. Are we underrating? <laughs> big, too much Brady Bunch. Big Ben. Who's Big Ben? Are we underrating with the clock? Are we underrating Ben Roethlisberger? He wants to know. He's not as big as he used to be. Seen pictures of him from training camp. His ADP is too low. He, he, it's like him and Philip Rivers, you can just pencil him in as 13 through 15 every year. 13? Is that really what his ADP is? Uh, it's not, it's, last I'm time I checked, it, it was below top 12, certainly below top 10. That's insane. Yeah. Heath got what, Roethlisberger 4? He, he's really good, he's really steady, and the point that Dave makes <laughs> is Dave, the, the emailer, is that if you are worried about him on the road, then pair him with another quarterback and- But that, he was, he was fine on the road last year. He's Roethlisberger's fine. ADP on CBS is 80th. 81st. But where is so he what, among quarterbacks? He is 1, 2, 10. Ten. Yeah, so our, our site's a little bit Behind better. Behind Garoppolo and Cousins, I think which fancy, I don't agree with. Fancy pros, he was lower than that. And Luck is behind them all, and you know he's just going to take on a meteoric rise. All right, so yeah, we probably are a little bit low on Big Ben. If that guy stays healthy, he's he has shown... He'll be a top seven quarterback. And the last time he played 16 games, I think he was the number three quarterback in fantasy. All right, it's time for our fantasy profile presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. We're profiling, in this case, perhaps an unknown, but definitely an underrated fantasy football player who listeners should get to know as they could be key to winning your season. Jamie, what can you tell us about Austin Eckler, backup running back for the Chargers? 
So on Pete Prisco's, uh, camp tour, and we're going to have Pete in here next week. Um, also as we start our fantasy football today programming, uh, he'll be on the show Monday. Uh, you can check that out 12 o'clock Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. Um, Pete said that the Chargers are very fond of Eckler and he was very impressed with how he worked, um, in the practice he was able to watch. And obviously a different coaching staff, but he said that their plans for him are kind of what they had with Woodhead when he was there. So it could hurt Melvin Gordon to an extent in the passing game. Now, I, I think Melvin Gordon sort of established himself as a, as a good pass protector, good pass catcher. Uh, Gordon has talked about wanting to be the NFL's leading rusher on rushing yards. Um, so we'll see if all those things come to fruition. But I think if you're looking at, you know, with a late round pick, and I believe he's like a, a round 13, round 15 ADP. Reckler, he's really late. Uh, just a, a a good late round flyer. I don't know what would happen if Gordon got hurt. If Eckler would be that guy because they did draft Justin Jackson in the seventh round and he did really well as sort of like a uh, physical type of running back at Northwestern, um, and and probably should have been drafted sooner than the seventh round. But I I think Eckler is one of these guys. James White, Theo Riddick, um, Giovanni Bernard. You know, maybe not to that extent, but somebody that can be forty catches. And, and be a factor probably outperforming his ADP. Could he step in where Hunter Henry is missing? That's and fair. Between Henry and Gates, that's 114 targets up for grabs from last year. Yeah, um, it, it sounds as if Gates is definitely coming back. So, uh, well, that's great news. You know, just keep that in, in mind also. When that happens, top 15 tight end? Yeah, he's going to be a guy you could begin the season with as your. I, I would imagine he's, he's probably. The, the high end situation for him would be what he was two years ago, where he was just touchdown dependent, but he scored, I think, seven or eight. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's um, what I really hope the, for. Yeah, you're hoping he scores if you start him. The low end is, you know, what you saw last year. Kansas City at home week one. That's going to be tough. No, at not against Buffalo. Barry. Not against Eric Barry. At Buffalo week two. Also will not be easy. At the Rams week three. He's a good streaming option. Yeah, maybe, but maybe just not, not, maybe not, not week to begin one. the year. Right. Let me find a matchup that might be good. So I've been getting the uh, the, the mm, newsletter. Not one, too bad. They're getting the newsletter in my inbox, my Gmail inbox, and uh, it's great. CBSSports.com slash FFT daily to sign up for our newsletter and get the great content from the website delivered right to you. And a couple things that I saw were sort of about Saints running backs. One was finding the next Alvin Kamara. And one was uh, Jamie saying, don't sleep on Mark Ingram, who is going 62nd overall in CBS Sports Drafts, 54th overall, according to Fantasy Pros at non-PPR. So let's uh, tackle these uh, Saints running backs, sort of. Well, first, let's find the next Alvin Kamara. And there were a lot of candidates there. Yeah, go ahead, Mm -hmm. Jamie. No, I I had fun looking at this. You know, I mean, we don't really talk a lot, you know, probably more so here, but uh, we don't really write a lot about, you know, third-string running backs. And... It was fun just to look at, I ranked them in order, you know, 15 guys who have the chance to end up, you're not going to be Kamara, obviously, you know, come from the third string, because that's where he started last year behind Inger and Peterson and become top five running back. It's just rare. But could there be somebody that is, in some cases, buried on the depth chart now that becomes a fantasy starter? So I, I looked at the guys that have the most chance to still potentially win the job, Um Nick Chubb was my favorite. Aaron Jones, you know, especially once the, the yeah. suspension's over. I'll tell you, Jamie, I, I feel like the running back situation that I have not talked enough about as the host brought it up enough is the Cleveland situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just 
I, I mean, even when we broke down our half PPR draft, I was like, well, where do the Seahawks running backs go? Where do the Packers running backs go? Have not talked nearly enough about Nick Chubb, second round draft pick, really talented guy. Um, yeah, I, he's got a great opportunity if he can beat out Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and, and even if he doesn't beat out Hyde to start the season, look, Hyde was great last year, played 16 games. Um, he's missed time each of the previous two seasons with injuries, so that door gets open and, and Chubb could, you know, run away with it. Um, clearly Duke Johnson is going to be a factor, but they're using him, you know, the, the reports I read were, has Todd Haley used Le'Veon Bell, you know, spreading him out wide, you know, doing different things with him as a pass catcher. So the, the touches for him are going to be different. I, I just think that Chubb's talent, you know, and again, this is not to take anything with Carlos Hyde because he's been very good in, in a lot of different systems in a short time in San Francisco, but, Chubb could be the better talent there. Um, he's younger. Hyde is 28. So, you know, you, you just look at it as at some point there may be a change into the guard and his ADP is round nine. That's a great guy that you just draft and, and similar to Camara. Um, but in a different regard, but you just stash him and, you know, mm. hopefully you get a chance to use him early in the season and he does get that opportunity. You have to be patient. You have to learn the lesson that Camara taught you last year if you drafted him because People drafted Camaro late. He was a trendy sleeper. And people cut him after week two, week three, because he wasn't doing anything. They needed help off the waiver wire. So there, there's a handful of running backs this year that you have to be real patient with. And I think Chubb's one of them. Fine. Get the complete list of uh, some candidates to be the next Alvin Camaro on CBS. Well, I, do, I will say the top three, just real quick. Yeah. Uh, Chubb, Aaron Jones, again, just because he could be better than the, the other two guys there. And then Jordan Wilkins. We've talked a lot about, you know, uh, the, the Colts backfield even this week. Uh, but there's a report from the Indianapolis Star that, uh, he could be the starter, you know, come week one. You know, and again, they're going to use multiple backs, but I, I think you got to view it as it's really between Mack and Wilkins because Hines is going to be similar to Duke Johnson, not going to be a guy that's going to be featured running the ball. But we'll be featured in the past. I kind of, I'm warming up big time to Wilkins. The, the one thing that the coaches talked about was that he was physical, and they want to bring that type of physicality to their run game. You have that offensive line. You have yep. you know, clearly a threat of a, a very good passing game if luck is right. And while he may not be, uh, Dave referenced it the other day, he may not be Joseph Adai you know, or Edron James or guys that have Frank Gore, you know, guys that have dominated touches for the Colts, but he certainly could be 150 carries. And in an offense that should be better and should score points, that could be very good. And just keep in mind with Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was the third pick of round two. He was the 35th overall pick. He was ahead of Ronald Jones, ahead of Kerryon Johnson, etc. And he was two picks after the Browns also selected Austin Corbett, who's going to be starting a guard for them. Now, they do have a, a very important injury on their offensive line right now. Guard Kevin Zeitler is out several weeks with a calf injury. But we've got several weeks for him to get healthy, so we won't hit the panic button yet. Um, Jamie, I'm going to save the Mark Ingram talk until probably our Monday show, or you can read about it on the website. Let's do news and notes. I just want to get into the auction as soon as we can. Antonio Brown has a minor knee injury. We don't care. A quad. Quad? Okay. Uh, we're okay with this? As of now. It sounds like he could just rest up, miss a preseason game, and be back at it. On the other hand, Julian Edelman suspended for four games. He's still trying to get his legs back under him, Dave, and... Didn't, it didn't sound great the way he was talking about it. Told the media that he's not nearly in the type of shape that he should be in. Uh, I don't know if that's because he knew a suspension was coming all along, but he he admitted that he's not in great shape right now, which is 
definitely worrisome for people who want to take a chance on him to uh, to keep being that catch happy producer that he's been throughout his career. So having said that, Julian Edelman in a PPR league, when when would you consider drafting him? Still around five for me. I'm not worried. I wonder if it's actually a good thing that he has an extra four weeks to get in shape. Right. It's like he knew it all. Along. Yeah. The only problem is he won't be able to practice with the team. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, but I, he I, knows I, what I, his role. Uh, he's got like, his I, trainer. I, he's got I, his trainer. It's fine. I saw I saw a video of him running around in minicamp. He looked fine. So okay, I'm not I'm not concerned. Uh, Rich Semini of uh, Semini of ESPN says Isaiah Crowell is expected to have a, to be a big factor in the Jets' offense. He also said that he's a better pass catcher than what they thought he was. They and with did. Elijah McGuire going down, this, this is another running back. What's his ADP at? 99th on CBS. Yeah. No, he's a steal. I, I think he, I, I'm not excited about him and I'm not excited about the Jets offense, but I can't deny that he's a candidate for well over 15 touches a week. He comes in with three straight seasons of at least 200 touches, 200 total touches. And so I would envision that being the case again, even if McGuire is healthy. The, the guy that I think McGuire will impact the most will be Bilal Powell. Uh, Jordy Nelson is running like he's 28 years old again, according to the Las Vegas Review Journal. Are you guys buying the Jordy Nelson hype? No. <laughs> and, I mean, he's still a late round pick. Yeah. Let's let's see what he looks like in the preseason. Jordy Nelson is actually going one pick after Isaiah Crowell, and one pick before Robbie Anderson. Jordy Nelson or Robbie Anderson, guys? Robbie Anderson for now. You know, hopefully there's no suspension, but we'll see. Jordy Nelson or another guy who's going ahead of uh, behind him. This is easy. Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin. The, these reports are very encouraging. You know, not necessarily if you're in the Pierre Garçon camp, but hopefully the two of them can play at a, at a high level. But you know, the the connection that Garoppolo and Goodwin had at the end of last season seems to be carrying over to the early part of this year. And it it's just uh, it, it, it I, I think Dave said yesterday it's just puzzling that Buffalo couldn't get this right with you know Goodwin and then Adam you said with Robert Woods too that. They had these two guys and they go elsewhere and all of a sudden they look like, you know, legitimate playmakers. But, uh, if Goodwin can, you know, master the route tree and has a quarterback that can get him the ball and just not a deep threat, he's gonna, he's gonna be fun. I moved him up. I still like Garcon better, but Goodwin's definitely, uh, gaining some traction. I made the switch. I put Goodwin ahead of Garcon. And maybe, you know, it's interesting. Woods goes to LA with McVay. Goodwin goes to San Fran with Shanahan. Maybe the play callers really have that much of an impact on these guys. Sure. And finally, uh, Green Bay right tackle Brian Bulaga is off the pup list, and that's good news. So he could be ready for week one. And uh, we are ready to talk auctions. But, you know, auctions, gotta got to be wise with your budget, right? Well, same thing when you're shopping for clothes, when you're shopping for a nice suit, a custom-made suit. You want to go out and get yourself a custom suit. Good luck spending less than, like, I don't know, $800. I know people who spend that much money on every custom suit that they own. I, on the other hand, got an Indochino suit, $379 for a made-to-measure suit. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit and free shipping at Indochino.com. And you enter FFT at checkout to get that offer, that 50% offer. And it's amazing. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company. I love my Indochino suit. Everybody loves my Indochino suit. I get compliments on it all the time. Um, I wore it to my rehearsal dinner. Jamie, you saw – oh, you weren't invited – um, 
Bring it back at old joke there. Anyway, uh, no, I do wear it to special occasions, and I love it. I'm going to get myself another Indochino suit because it just fits me better than any other suit I have. And 379 for a custom suit might sound like a lot, but when you consider how good it looks and how much you'd ordinarily have to spend at a tailor, I promise this is a great deal. So customize every detail. Get your awesome Indochino suit. Go to Indochino.com and enter FFT at checkout for 50% off any premium suit for just 379 and free shipping. They also have showrooms in North America, so you can check out Indochino.com and find the showrooms. An incredible deal for a suit that's going to fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. All right, let's do some auction talk. So I unfortunately was not part of this auction, and that's actually a good thing because Jamie won the league already. And <laughs> how did you do it? Like, how did you get that? What was your team, and how did it? How? I, I, Go ahead and explain how this happened. Well, sure. I, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, you know, we've over the years, I've I've talked about certain auction strategies that that I will do. Um, most of it though is just kind of like minor things, nominating a kicker in defense when it's my turn to nominate a player, nominating players I don't want, um, and and practicing patience. I never really like take a step back and sort of say, okay, this is how this could sort of unfold. But I actually did this time because I was looking at them like, you know, I've never done a ten team auction. And I figured the talent pool is going to be so deep that if people start to spend money early, I could probably spend on one player in whatever tier I want, wide receiver, running back, and then sort of go heavy on the second and third tiers. And it unfolded exactly how I planned it because I watched everybody spend big on Gurley. And in Dave's case, the two wide receivers, it was what, Jones and Hopkins? Yep. Okay, so Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. And I just watched all these budgets get sliced up quickly and then it was okay if i want to spend up to you know if a guy that i see is going that, that i have you know in my auction values 25 dollars, maybe i go up to 20 uh maybe up to 15 you know just to sort of see how it's going to go and, and i can still get out of it um out of the bid process but find another player and so what i did was i spent big on fournette you know relative but i waited and so and then it, it got to a point where there was michael thomas I was going to go, I think, up to like 16 or 17 just to see how it went. He was the 53rd nominated player right. in the auction. So you got to imagine what was gone from people's budgets at this point. So Actually, you should start with the 51st nominated player, which is Darius Geis. And then the 52nd nominated player, which is Joe Mixon. Okay, so I went with the running backs first. So, yeah, I I, I thought I'll, I I thought it was and – and to be honest, it wasn't Fournette, but it was one of the guys in my top ten. But I said to myself, I want to get Mixon and Geis. Because I knew what was going to happen with McKinnon, that somebody was going to try and bid it up, knowing I was going to overspend for him, and I let it, I let it go. But there, so I, I thought fifteen dollars for one of those two guys, end up getting both of them for a combined twenty-two. Guys and, and Mixon, twenty-one. Um, excuse, excuse me, twenty-one. Ten and eleven dollars respectively. Yeah. And then the receiver started to go, and I wanted to get one of the guys in this range. I was going to spend up to twenty. Uh, when I got Michael Thomas for thirteen dollars, and then I was Hilton next. Yeah, Hilton was next. I got him for. You got Hilton seven. No, you got Mark Ingram. No, for me, I'm sorry, the receivers. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Hilton was your next receiver. Yep, for ten bucks. And then you got AJ Green for ten bucks. And then I cried. <laughs> and so I got those three receivers. So that's thirteen and twenty one, right? No, thirteen and twenty. So twenty three dollars. Uh, you you spent thirty three dollars. Thirty three. My math. You spent twenty six bucks on Fournette and combined thirty three bucks on. Michael Thomas, AJ Green, and T.Y. Hilton. Right. While Dave spent $29 on each of DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. And while those guys, at least on paper, are better players, 
I'll take that trio. Of course. Uh, any day of the week. And then so I, I again, I, I saw Deshaun Watson go for six bucks. I, I knew in my head what I wanted to spend on a quarterback. I have Andrew Luck ranked number four. Uh, I was prepared to go three dollars. That's what I got him for. I figured I was going to go three to five dollars on either Greg Olson or Trey Burton when I wanted a tight end. I got Greg Olson for a buck. Question. That question. Point, I, I need to stop you. All right. Yeah. First of all, hundred dollar budget. We didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Hundred dollar budget. Standard scoring. Not PPR. Not PPR. Yes. Yep. Two running backs, two receivers, flex. Yes. Um, Andrew Luck for three dollars. How did that go? Did you nominate him for one? Did somebody else nominate him? Yep. What? I nominated him for one. Somebody you know. put in two. I went three, and it was done. Okay. And Greg Olson, I put in for a dollar. Nobody bid. What? How? Everybody had their tight end because this is the bizarro world auction. I I will say this: there's one, there's one flaw with my roster, which I'm very annoyed by, (laughs) because I had to go do a hit for CBS Sports HQ, and I got up and I had to go. uh, uh, If you haven't noticed, um, I'm a very ugly human being, so I had to put some makeup on. Okay. And uh, while I was putting makeup on, I was actually keeping track of the of the draft room. When it came my turn to bid, I got auto bid, and I ended up with Chris Thompson for a dollar. Had I not gotten Chris Thompson. I would have spent two dollars on either one of Jamal Williams or Marlon Mack. I think you oh. got Williams for two dollars, and I think somebody else got Mack for a dollar. So my roster would have looked even better had I not gotten <laughs> stuck getting prepared for a show. So I think what you're seeing. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. Um, we have a we have a guest. There's a lot that hasn't been mentioned. We have a guest later in the show. We're doing the fantasy regulators, but I think what you're seeing. Get excited for that. What you're seeing is that a lot of times in auctions, studs go for a lot. And player like Jamal Williams, Marlon Mack, whatever, they go for very little. Uh, it's not proportional, you know? It's not first round pick goes for this much and then, and so on down to the eighth round, tenth round, whatever. Um, so I think patience is extremely important in auctions. You know, maybe in a deeper league, if you were doing like a 16 team auction, you wouldn't have that, that convenience. But as long as you have, you know, a, a, a league that's not super deep, patience is so important. Let people spend big early. And go crazy, and you will get all the bargains like Jamie has done here. Um, do you guys agree with that? Of course. Yeah, don't spend. One of too my much favorite auction rules is I call it the twenty fifty rule. Save at least twenty percent of your budget for the last half of your auction. Let me ask you. And, let me and fire that way you away pick up a bunch of steals for a buck or two. With some questions, do you need at least one stud on your team, or can you load up on rounds three and four picks, let's say, and have like six of them? Yeah, you'll probably do a little bit better going that route. No, really? Well, I, I think that's the easier way to go. Like if you have to pick between one or the other, because you're going to spend too much. My my team is kind of proof of this. Because oh, I, I, I went into this knowing 10-team league, a, a way to have an advantage is to get two stud receivers. So I came into it getting those two stud receivers in the auction. I just overpaid. But that's what I wanted to do. And I made up for it when I got Gronk for 14 bucks. I have trouble seeing myself winning but, a league but, without, without like a right there. I just want to ask you a question. Do you feel more comfortable with Gronk at 14 or Olsen at a dollar? I'd rather have Gronk at 14. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I think he, he'd go for more than that in a regular, normal Oh, I, I agreed. But uh, while there is a big difference in those two guys, the, uh, I don't think Olsen can uh, put up uh, numbers like a top 10 receiver. All right, we'll put it this way just because of the pricing. Would you rather have Gronk at $14 or Olsen and Michael Thomas at $14? Well – you got yeah, steals. That's different. It, well, just the way it worked out. 
Right. Plus, I fill two roster spots that way versus one. Like, it helps my total bid at the end. My yeah. my high bid, the most you can spend on a player at the end of an auction. But, like, but I'd I, rather but have I, the two guys. I, I need to I need to get drill this point home because I don't feel like you can win a league. I mean, of course you can. I wouldn't like my chances of winning a league unless I had at least one really high end player. And a ten team league, okay, uh, third round. There's still some high end players there, but I'm talking about like after the top twenty four. Like I need a top twenty four. I need a top. 15 player on my team to feel good about it. But I feel like if you, I feel like you can end your auction with like three third round players and two fourth round players and you'll just feel like your team is, is solid. Solid, but I still would rather have two studs and then fill in the rest with bargains. Cause like you're saying, like look at the guys that went for one and two dollars. Jamal Williams, Marlon Mack, Greg Olson. I mean, I'd rather spend big and that's kind of a studs and duds approach. Uh, you know. Right, but if the if the stud duds, then your your team is sunk. The the team sure. last year the highest was the most. What the hell am I trying to say? Last year the guy that went for the most was David Johnson. Yeah, how did that, that work? Out? It happens. It happens. It happens. So I'd rather spread the money around and get a lot of really good players than have that one amazing player. Of course, this is coming from the guy that. Took three amazing. Uh, I'd rather have two amazing players. I think that's kind of what I try to do. If I'm in an auction, I want two great players. There's another. There's another wrinkle to this auction that needs to be said. One of the owners, on purpose, tried to spend as little as possible. So it was. It it really turned into a a a ten team auction with nine teams bidding. That's why I don't really want to talk about this particular auction. I'd rather just kind of. Well, I I will say this though, just based on the the practice of. Saving your money because this, this strategy in a 12 team league wouldn't have worked out or would not work out as well. What this owner did, and this is uh, our, our boss, Michael Kaiser, um, what, what he did, if he had just done one or two things differently and not even having to spend that much more, his receiving core, because he waited, is amazing. Mm. And it's amazing. I'll, I'll let. I'll let Adam decide if it's amazing. Okay. What is it? Uh, Stefan Diggs and Larry Fitzgerald, Alan Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, no. Julian Edelman, Pierre Garçon. No, it's Jordy not. Nelson. It's not amazing. Jamie's is, is amazing. Jamie's is amazing. Jamie's well, is amazing. As, as, as a group. I mean, there, there's what? Five number two guys there? That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I, I don't okay. want five okay. number twos. Right. I want at least I'll one. I'll change one. the word. His receiving core is very good. Yeah, it is. It's, okay. it's certainly standard scoring, deep. though. Okay. So. He has he has a very good tight end in Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. He has a Deshaun Watson potentially great tight end in Deshaun Watson. All he needed to do, and his three, he only has three running backs. He has Marshawn Lynch, Matt Breida, and I forget the third one. Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman. <laughs> Had he spent money, take out one of those receivers, whoever it may be. For Dave, it would probably be Stephon Diggs, but, you know, Julian Edelman, whoever. No, take out, like, take a out guy Pierre that Garçon. he spent a couple of bucks on. Take out Pierre Garcon. And if he take had spent, Jordy. if he had spent $25 on Dalvin Cook, or the $26 I spent on Leonard Fournette. And still, he'd have money to compete with you for some of your receivers. But even so, as the guys that he got. Okay, so upgrade one of those guys. Who cares about his team, though? Like, I, I mean, this was a terrible strategy. No, it's not a terrible strategy. It just, he didn't, Perfect it. No. He didn't his spend strategy his money. Is terrible. His strategy was not to spend money. But his strategy. For absolutely no reason. His, his strategy was to wait. 
And if it, yeah, but he waited until the draft was over, and he sees he's got forty five dollars yeah, left in his budget. But it, you uh, can't go and buy dinner with that money. All all he had to do was change one or two bids, and his team is the best. So, the so the point is, he could have waited. You could still wait and not be a like a schmuck and not spend money, and you can do really well. That's your in point. A, in a ten team league, you can be as patient as you want yes. to be. And I think you can do that in a twelve team league too. Obviously, depends on how many roster spots you have, but but be patient. Um, I I find like a lot of people really wait till the end. Some people are very patient. They wait till the end to get theirs. They leave out the middle portion of the, of the auction. The middle portion of the auction, I think you can get a lot of really good values there. Uh, it's almost like, you know, a lot of the high-end guys go really early, and then there's these steals late. But in the middle, a lot of people kind of sit that part out because maybe they spent too much and they have to sort of uh, let other people spend some money. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and you can kind of bully people around because you got a lot of money. And uh, that's just the way I've seen auctions unfold. I like getting values there in the middle of the draft. That's when you could probably get a guy like Stefan Diggs underpriced. Um, if people start overpaying for studs, do you adjust and do the same? No. No, you just have to take note of it. And when a player in that same tier is up for bid, you have a good idea of what he should go for. Yeah. So, so that's and maybe you try and get him for a buck or two less, but that's the, that's the difficult part. It's like, I can relate certainly in baseball. Two years ago, I did a baseball auction, and I was expecting it to unfold one way, and that's such a fun thing about auctions. They're all so different. So the studs, like the top 20 players or so, were going for so much more money than I expected. And I'm sitting there, and I'm not getting any of them. And I said to myself, okay, well, if these guys are going for more money, then obviously there's going to be values at other parts of the auction. I am going to spend. I am going to overpay because I have to. Because like I, I felt I couldn't win without at least one stud. So I, I am willing to overpay for studs if I feel like everybody else is doing it because I don't want to get left out. There will be values later in the draft to make up for your quote-unquote overpay. No? Of course there are. That's what I learned because I definitely overpaid for receivers. And Even by got, my own and you got guideline, I overpaid for Julio. Yeah. But I, I'm telling you, when we run down my team – You'll see that I more than made up for it. Right, well, let's run down your team. Uh, Stafford, I waited on quarterback. I knew I'd get one for a buck. It was Stafford. Running backs are Ronald Jones for six, Sony Michelle for four, Carlos Hyde for two, Jamal Williams for two, Aaron Jones for two, Corey Clement for two, Chris Carson for two. Wide receivers, you already know about Nuke and Julio going for 29 each. I got Alshon Jeffrey for $2. Kelvin Benjamin for $2. Those are my receivers. Gronk 14, and then uh, I, I spent two bucks on the Rams DST. They're my favorite one, and I got a kicker for a buck. Uh, Todd Gurley went for 40 bucks, by the way. Le'Veon Bell went for 34. David Johnson went for 33. So David Zeke went for 35. In a non PPR league, I wonder why you went with the two wide receiver strategy instead of spending big for two running backs. Because I knew I'd be able to find a good. Uh, I basically went zero RB when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but I did it getting two top 15 overall pick wide receivers, two top five fantasy receivers, and the number one fantasy tight end. And you have Ronald Jones, as you've said. Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Carlos Hyde, so you've, and, and uh, Corey Clement. So you've got good running back depth there. Um, and you got Alshon Jeffrey for $2 as well. And you had Justin yeah. Tucker. So good job. That was my kicker. It's It's my second favorite team in the auction. What is your nomination strategy, guys? I begin by nominating players that I don't want who will go for a lot. Right. 
Then I will notice the teams that have a lot of budget left, and I will nominate the best players at the positions they need so that they start spending money. Then I will start nominating players I do want with an eye on how much I need to nominate to get them, meaning if if I've got a max bid of four and no one else in the league can bid more than three, I can bid three, not four, to get the player that I want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you another nomination question in a second, but I need to remind everyone that Buffalo Wild Wings is sponsoring our show, and Buffalo Wild Wings understands that being a fantasy football league manager is a tough job, so it's important to get a good first impression, and that all starts with the draft. So if you want your league to love you, book your draft party at B-Dubs. You will get a free draft kit and enjoy a special draft feast of boneless wi- boneless wings, three sides, three shareables for a special price to feed your entire league. So come on in and get to drafting up some league manager love at Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports, at participating locations while supplies last. What about the strategy of, all right, I've, give me a, give me a mid to late round sleeper that you like. Jordan Wilkins. Alright, it's, it's my turn to nominate a player. We're five nominations in. So far, Gurley, Bell, Hopkins, Gronkowski, whatever, they're off the board. So days broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I nominate Jordan Wilkins. Mm-hmm. You know, do you ever do that? Because it's really tricky. There's no market set at that point. For somebody like Jordan. No, Wilkins. but you know that he's only going to go for a, a handful of bucks. And if you bid two, then someone is, someone's going to have to bid three if they really want him. And a lot of people might say, ah, I just don't want him for three. So I did that with, uh, with Jamison Crowder, who I really like. It was one of my early bids. And I think I was going to go five dollars tops. And I think when it got to five, maybe four, I was like, I see the way this is going. And I just got it. I think, I don't know what he went for. Is that when you realized that it was time for you to wait? Wait a minute, Crowder? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, I think, I think it was the wrong guy. He went for two. Yeah, Crowder only went. Oh, for I'm two. sorry. Maybe I only wanted him for a dollar. Yeah, that that maybe that's what it was. I only wanted him for a dollar. So I mean, you might have thought that's that way with, I, I, with Golden Tate. I'll tell you what it was. No, it was I, I didn't nominate Golden Tate. Um, it was it was Crowder, and I thought it, it's exactly the scenario you're talking about, Adam. It's not obviously five nominations in, but it was early on, and for me at least. 38th. Uh, so it was my third bid, fourth yep. bid. Third or fourth. Um, I thought, let me see if I get him for a dollar because we're still in the early stages of the, you know, the top tier players going. And when he went to two, I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And last thing I'll say, and I'll let you guys wrap up with any auction thoughts, but tiers are extremely important in auctions. You have to pay attention. You have to do your own tiers. You have to figure out, okay, the, these are the tier one running backs. Tier two running backs, whatever. And when they start to all, you know, get bought, get bid on and, and purchased, you've got to get in on that if you want to be part of that tier. And sometimes waiting for the last guy in a tier, you end up overpaying. So if you see like there are five running backs in tier two and they're all going for like $12 or something out of a hundred. Well, once the, the, fir- the first four went for $12. Okay. Now everybody's in on the fifth guy because they all want to get a running back in tier two. Now the bidding gets up. So sometimes it makes more sense to kind of get in on the second to last guy to go in a tier rather than wait for the last one. You're assuming that your tiers are the same as everybody else's in the league. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think there's going to be some consensus. You're right. There, it's not never going to be there, exactly the same. As you, as you go from after tier one, there's pretty much a consensus. After that, I don't think there's much of a consensus. You know, I was trying to make a broader point, I guess. 
But my point is, let's say you definitely want to get one of Brown, Hopkins, Julio, Beckham, Green, Thomas, Devontae Adams. And, you know, maybe you can expand it to T.Y. Hilton, but probably going to be a little cheaper than that group. If five of them are gone, get the sixth one, because you don't want to wait for the seventh one, because he's going to be extremely expensive. Uh Quite possibly. Sure. Once you once you get a good grip on what players from a certain tier are going for, that's when you should start bidding. Yeah, and you don't want to you don't want to be left out. You don't want to get the last guy in the tier. Okay. Uh, any final auction thoughts, guys? I always will nominate my kicker and defense first, and try and get them for for a buck. For a buck. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like I nominated yeah. the, you I nominated the Rams. Rams. Yep. Yeah. And nobody I wants to bid. Nobody wants to bid on a on a defense early. Like you're fine, you can. No, have but like I caused Dave to spend two dollars where he may have gotten them for one. Also a good point. Either either somebody will spend more than they wanted to, or you'll get that that player for a dollar. Yep. And would the Jags go for three? I think so. so somebody wanted the Jaguars bad put them in for a dollar and ended up having to spend two more. And that's another thing to consider. Like if, if you have one dollar bids, that's what you start with. You can bid one to, to nominate a player. The next bid you have is going to be three. If somebody bids an extra dollar, like you have to mm-hmm. go to three. So if you say, well, this person's worth two to me, but not three, maybe you should nominate for two and, and see if anybody else, you know, kind of backs out. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's read some emails and we'll do some fantasy regulators at the end of the show. Uh, man, I'm so pumped for the weekend. You guys got fun weekend plans? Um, my soccer. My kids are visiting my parents in Texas. Oh, part Dave's so going to the casino. This is my. This is. Let me tell you what I've got planned for this weekend. I'm going to let my wife run errands, and I am going to fall asleep on my couch. <laughs> last, last, last weekend without football, guys. Yeah, we, we made it. We made it. We're here. We're five Sundays away, by the way. That's awesome. That Pete. is freaking awesome. Uh, Ian from Rhode Island. Dear Jack Frost, Chris Kringle, John McClain, and Ebenezer Scrooge, I am torn on Deshaun Watson this year. I have a feeling he's going to fall in my home league. At what round do you see Deshaun Watson returning a good value for his pick? Five. Five? Okay, he's going early round four in CBS leagues. Yeah, even then it's too soon. I'd say round six or later. I don't think you're getting him. I won't get him. Okay, thank you. I'd like to get him. Uh, this is from Marcelo. Where is he from? Barcelona, Spain. Dear Vinny, Bernie, Gino, and Ken. Browns quarterback? No. Hurricanes quarterback. Hurricanes Dave. quarterback. Big game one. Come on. Well, hold on a second. Vinny, Bernie, and Ken all played for Cleveland. That's true. But Gino didn't. I'm uh, sure there's somebody named Gino who played for Cleveland. What? And maybe he threw a pass. Are the top running backs to handcuff? This That's- is an interesting yeah. Philosophy um, question. It's, uh, you're getting a lot of Bell once one of James Conner or Jalen Samuels or maybe Fitzgerald Toussaint does anything in, I guess Stephen Ridley too, is he still there? Uh, any of those guys do anything in the preseason because of Bell's holdout? Um, that's gotta be Conner. Pete said when he saw the Rams that Malcolm Brown looked really good. So maybe slow down the John Kelly hype train. Although you would think that Kelly is the guy, but he said Malcolm Brown really looked in practice. And then Chase Edmonds is making a lot of headway for the Cardinals. So he's someone, given David Johnson has not been able to finish the last two games he's been able to play. Uh, week one last year, week 17 the year before. I think, and I wrote about this in the third string guys, next Camara, Bo Scarborough could be interesting if you're the Zeke owner. 
because mm-hmm. they didn't really use Rod Smith as a featured guy last year. He was good, but he just wasn't getting a lot of carries. Clearly, Tevin Coleman, but his round five average draft position is terrible. Jamie, I I made a point to draft Spencer Ware in our half PPR draft with Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not bad. You know, given the values of some of these guys, you know, if you take Marlon Mack, you could take Jordan Wilkins, at least as of now. But is that a handcuff, or is that just right. placing a totally bet agree. on it's, that it's team's the, run game? Because I the, think those are two different things. It's almost like, you know, Adam's friendship strategy. You know, you're taking the, the two guys right. that, that could be good. Right. Mack and with, Wilkins and yep. Indy. And, and Hyde, How about Hyde and Chubb. Hyde and Chubb yeah. in Cleveland. How about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones? No, and, guy, this is not, this is a separate conversation. This is definitely no, but, not handcuffing. No, but that's the point. Yeah, is yeah, that no, some I, people confuse that with handcuffs. Right. I, I mean, like, I've done this in several mocks. I talked about it where, you know, uh, instead of taking Jamal Williams, I just take Jones and Montgomery. Um, I actually just writing about it now with the running back average draft position. You know, if you don't want to take Marlon Mack, just take both Hines and 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 Jordan Wilkins late. But in in terms of the guys at the top of the draft, I, I think Adam, you bring up a good one. Uh, I think if we find out that T.J. Yeldon is holding on to the number two role over Corey Grant, that's not a bad one given Fournette's injury track record. Um. And maybe Latavius Murray, just because he did play well last yeah. year, he was a good fantasy option, and Dalvin Cook's coming back from the 20 ACL. Yep. All right, so Spencer Ware was the one that Jamie kind of said that I referenced, and yeah, I think that's, cause we know where, we know where can fill in that role and be good. Okay. Garrett from a city outside of Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, Providence Township. Dear Drew, Phil, and Dan. Hmm. That, Who is it? Qu- Drew, Phil, and Dan. There's got to be something linking these quarterbacks. Or, I don't know. Anyway, PPR, keep one, 10-team league. Gurley in the second, Fournette in the third, or Hunt in the fourth? Gurley. Dave, Gurley, Fournette, Hunt in the second, third, or fourth? Yeah, I think it's got to be Gurley. Hunt's, Hunt's pretty good in the fourth. I mean, Fournette is basically a second-round pick as it is. John from a city of Dave's choosing. Ypsilanti, Michigan. Why are we not talking about Antonio Brown and the Madden curse? It may have happened already. Yeah, actually, oh wow, it did happen. How about that? Yeah, uh, look, <laughs> you, you, you can, you can pick apart guys any way you want to. What was Brady was last year, right? Uh, I don't remember. I believe Brady was on the cover of Madden last year. Yeah, he wow. Threw, he threw for 500 yards in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he lost, Jamie. And he lost. He lost the Super Bowl. Yep, he dropped a big pass. He did, right? I've Terrible. never passed on a player in fantasy because of the Madden curse in my life. Oh, I never draft anybody who's on the Madden cover. Very superstitious. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is from Eric in a city between Chicago and Detroit. Eric! Eric! Crown Point, Indiana. Dear Beefcake the Mighty, Bone Snapper, Sleazy P, Martini, and Sauborg Destructo. Oh yeah, everybody knows who that is. <laughs> Do you? No. No idea. Uh, I'm in multiple leagues. I'm sure most people are. Do you recommend trying different strategies in each league, like wide receiver, wide receiver in one, running back, running back in another? What do you think? Like, do you do you mix it up in multiple leagues? Yeah, I take the best player available to me. Ah, but that, so you don't do what he's saying. He's, I think he's basically saying like, I'm going to try this specific strategy. Yeah, no, I, I don't go in saying, okay, the last draft I did, I went running back, running back. This draft, I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver. I, I don't do that. No. Oh, I know who those guys are. Who are they? Members of Guar. Oh, Guar. I don't think I've ever, I've never heard a Guar song. They also have Ballsack the Jaws of Death. <laughs> he plays rhythm guitar and backing vocals. Drew, Phil, and Dan. 
I don't know who that is. Okay, I'm still back on that Baseball one. Baseball players. Last one from Josh. Dear Matt. Pensacola, Florida. Matt, Charles, Gnarls, and Saquon. That's a fun Barclays. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, my wife and I recently moved to Brooklyn, and we want to adopt a pet. Can't decide, can't decide between a cat, a dog, or some fish. Which is best? How much time are we going to spend on this? It's cat, right? No. <laughs> it's dog? Yeah. Yeah, get a dog. You sound like adventurous people. Get a dog. Take him for a walk. Um, also, keeping David Johnson in a three-keeper, ten-team standard league. Pick two more. Mike Evans in the fifth, Tyreek Hill in the 13th, Juju in the 15th, or the Rams D in the 15th. So we'll eliminate the Rams. Evans in the fifth, Tyreek in the 13th, Juju in the 15th. I would keep Evans and Tyreek. Yeah, I'd keep the last two receivers. All right, so Tyreek is the uh, one to keep for sure. And then Dave says Evans in the fifth. Jamie says Smith-Schuster in the 15th. All right, you have some uh, some league problems? Well, guess what, Dave? Dave. <laughs> Regulators! Mount up. I love it. You got a league issue, please put an email, put, send us an email, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com and put fantasy football regulators in the subject line and watch me groove. I'm grooving. It, confirm. I'm grooving. I'm raising the roof. You're doing the raise the roof thing. While like going from side to side, like swaying, you <laughs> right, look like the most uncoordinated human being. That on was the bad. It was bad. Uh, this is from Nick. Can fantasy regulators be life regulators? I have a dilemma. The draft for my league is the same weekend in August every year. This year, my wife's grandmother turned ninety, and they're having a lunch party for her the same day as my draft. So we came Screw to a you, plan- grandma. <laughs> what did you say? Screw, Screw you, grandma. you, grandma. Hold on. It gets worse. Um, we came to a plan that I would bypass the annual golf outing that happens the day of the draft and go to lunch, then drive the two hours to my draft after grandma's lunch. But now they've added a cake party for her birthday no. and a dinner no. for my mother and father-in-law's 60th birthday. Oh, in-laws? No. The cake starts at 4 and dinner would be at about 6 or 7 that night. My draft starts at 7. No. I compromise further by offering to do cake and then hustle to my draft, barely no. getting there on time. No. I would then be missing out on the potluck dinner we always do at the draft. My no. wife asked, you're gonna really hate this guys. My wife asked if I could call into the draft. We have banned that as it adds too much time. No. She also asked if I could just join a different league. Oh my gosh, it's like she doesn't even know what fantasy football is. I do one league with my close join. friends. I, I, I got I got something for you to join. A new marriage. <laughs> oh, oh you can't do that. Wow. That is some serious regulation. Um what do I do? I only do one league a year with my close friends. I enjoy the fantasy part as much as the crap talking and the teasing that takes place. I say I should be allowed to go to the draft. My wife says otherwise. Who is right? Well, he is. He's right, but I, I think it's hard to get out of dinner with the in-laws for their 60th anniversary. Yeah, this is a legit issue here. Or no, it's not an anniversary. It's the fa- wait a minute. Yeah, it's it is. Father-in-law's 60th birthday. Oh, they said birthday. It must be anniversary. So it's a, if it's Maybe an it's anniversary, right, I think you're stuck. Whatever. If it's a birthday, no, 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 no. To me, there's two options. Yeah, there's one option. Go no, to uh, Jamie, pretend no, this no, is like no, one no, of no. your good friends. No, and you know the couple. Option number one, you convince your league to have the draft at the same restaurant that your father-in-law's 60th. It's two hours away. 
Screw up. It's two hours away. Can't the do that. The second one is a very, very rational plan. You simply throw up at the table as soon as you <laughs> sit down at the restaurant with your lunch. You say, oh, my gosh, I am sick. I'm going to go right home. But you don't go home. You go right to your draft. And, you know, you have your draft. When your wife checks on you, just, you know, pick up the phone. Hello. Oh, hi, honey. Yeah, I threw up again. And then you just go, yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> That's what you do. And then, uh, you know, pray for forgiveness. Beg uh, for forgiveness. Pray really and tough. beg for forgiveness. I mean, this is a legitimately big conundrum. I, I think your wife is wrong. I think she needs to be understanding here and let you do the, the one, the thing that you do once a year with your Which friends. Which was planned first. This? this? This is, if I'm being honest now. What was planned first? The draft. He should have let the wife know. She I'm knows it's the same weekend every year. Yeah, well. All right, ready? Next it's, up. It's all, he's, he goes to the draft. Yep, I agree. Andrew from Tampa. Dear War, dear Derek, Warren, John, and Rondé. Those are bucks. I have an issue in a long-running league, family, close friend, redraft league. We're having an issue with trade review processes. Processes? We've done commission review, league votes, trade panels, and no reviews at all. Uh-huh. It seems like no matter what I do, there's always bitching and moaning about uneven or lopsided trades. And generally, within a few weeks, once the dust settles, the trades end up being fair. By then, though, the damage is done and people are upset. What is the best way to have trades reviewed and processed? Let them all go through. Yeah. If, if these are all close friends, family, people you trust, you just let them make trades. I would give the commish... A little leeway to veto if he suspects or she suspects collusion or something completely ridiculous that upsets the balance of the league. But otherwise, let them all go through. But it sounds like that happens a lot in this It league. sounds like people are a little picky, and it doesn't really happen a lot. Like, you got to lower your standards and let people make bad trades if they make bad trades. It just can't be, like, intentionally bad, flagrantly bad. Like Very yeah. good. Very well put. All right. Scott from a town in northeast Pennsylvania. Northeast Pennsylvania. Let's go with Reno, Nevada. Dear Schmidt, Winston, and Nick, that's New Girl. I'm having an issue in my home league on how to differentiate two How do you rules. know that's New Girl? I love New Girl. It's great. One, an old girl. One rule is, <laughs> all right, one rule is no player drafted in the first two rounds can be used as keepers. The other rule is any player added as a free agent throughout the year can be used as a sixth-round keeper. Last year, Aaron Rodgers went in the second round. When he was dropped, I added and stashed him to use him as a sixth-round keeper. Too bad. Half our league is divided on this. Does one rule outweigh the other, or should there be a concession made? What we do in our league, it's the exact same thing. In my keeper league that I've been running with my friends since the late 90s, when you, when, when the player is drafted or initially acquired, that status stays with him the entire year. So Rodgers was a second-round pick. Mm -hmm. You can cut him ten times. He still counts as a second-round pick when it comes to keeper value the following year, which like means – he like cannot it. be kept in your league. Good, good job, Dave. Good show, guys. Uh, wait, before we end the show, um, Pete Carroll said that he has no worry about Doug, Wald Doug Baldwin status for week one. However, Jamie Eisenberg pointed out Pete Carroll is rainbows and sunshine, happiest, most optimistic. He's a liar. <laughs> yes. And I gotta that, go, is, bye. that is good news. Oh, he's leaving again. He's, I, all right. Now we'll, we'll end the show for real. The truth is that Jamie cheated in that auction. <laughs> And we just we we changed the 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 uh, numbers to make him look good. We can trash talk about him. He, he's, he's he had a here. terrible team. So why don't a... you, you? I'll give you a choice. You can either say something not nice about Jamie, or you can raise the roof again. 
Jamie and I could potentially split winnings in a fantasy baseball league in which I have done 95% of the work. But the only reason I'm in it is because Jamie got me in it. Uh, Jay, there's a similar situation except Jamie does a little bit more of the work in the league that we're in. It, last year he did about 90% of the work. This year he's done like, I'll say 65% of the work. Friendship before money, Dave, right? Hi, Jim. All right. We're out of here. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. Na, 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 na. Yeah.